0: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History class.
2: Let's go places.
4: Imagine you're Ron Lieberman. You went to work on 9-11. Terrorists slammed jetliners into two skyscrapers only 900 feet from your apartment. You don't know where your wife, Sneha, stayed last night. She never came home. And you can't leave the hospital where you work. You're an emergency doctor, and man, you think there's gonna be a massive surge of severely injured patients. There's misinformation and more planes and crashes and chaos and panic. Later, you hop in an ambulance, get as close as you can to your apartment, hop out and walk past smoldering ruins. And now it's like nine or 10 PM and you're standing in front of your chained up building, flashing a light to the only resident still there, asking them to see if your wife is home. She isn't, but you can't just sleep. You feel sick, bubbling anxiety, exhaustion, nervous energy, Tired, but wired. So you go to a high school near the World Trade Center, a staging area, and volunteer. Finally, around 2 a.m., you leave. You walk to a friend's place in the West Village. You crash on their couch. Fitful, feverish sleep. For My Heart Media, this is Missing on 9-11 the story of one woman who vanished on the eve of history, and my quest to find her. I'm your host, John Walzack. On September 12, 2001, weary and in shock, Ron uses a volunteer badge to once again slip past security barricades into the restricted zone, a post-apocalyptic dustscape. 9-11 reduced the World Trade Center to 2 million tons of debris, the pile, they call it, and later, ground zero. Accompanied by friends, Ron makes his way to 225 Rector Place in Battery Park City, where he and Sneha live. Sammy Fliciano, a doorman, is already there, along with two other building employees, going door to door, checking each unit.
5: When we were checking the apartments. One, one of the pieces of the, of the airplane, one of the pieces was inside one of the apartments. I remember that. Wow. Yeah, I remember when I went to one of the apartments, and there was a piece of an airplane inside the, one of the apartments, a like, smaller piece.
4: It's true. Part of one of the planes that hit the Twin Towers flew 900 feet south and crashed into an apartment at 225 Rector. The FBI stops by to take custody of it. When Ron gets to the building, the power is off. So he takes the stairs and enters his apartment. Here's what he told 2020 in 2001. Everything looked untouched. There was just this gray layer of of soot everywhere through the apartment because one of the windows was open. I was
6: really looking very hard to see if I could see any trace of her, and there was nothing.
4: Nothing human. But Ron does see prints in the dust, cat prints. He and Sneha have two cats, Figa and Kali. Figa is a vulgar Italian word for, forgive me here, pussy. Kali, with a K, is the Hindu goddess of death and destruction, the black mother goddess who inhabits the cremation ground. She's associated with sexuality and violence, but also maternal love. Figa and Kali left little prints all over the apartment in the 9-11 dust. Using a digital camera, Ron starts taking pictures. I haven't been able to view the images, but I'd love to. He also grabs some stuff, including two phone books packed with numbers. Then he leaves.
3: When he started making calls, I called every single person
6: in her phone book, and no one had heard from her.
4: Next up... Flyers, designed by Sneha's older brother, Ashwin. They quickly go up all over the city. Thousands of images of Sneha, black and white, and in color, too. She's everywhere and nowhere. Quote, Missing since before the World Trade Center attack. Last seen 5.15 p.m., Monday, 9-10-2001. Dr. Sneha Ann Phillip, M.D., Black hair, brown eyes, 5'6", 115 pounds, olive skin, Indian, 31 years old, physician at St. Vincent's Hospital, Staten Island, last known to be at Century 21, across from WTC, Monday, 7.18 p.m., while leaving with multiple large shopping bags, wearing a brown, knee-length, short sleeve shirt dress and sandals, end quote. And at the bottom... Ron and Ashwin's phone numbers, an email, and a website Ashwin created. If you want, you can view an archived version of the site via the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine. Go to archive.org, then search for imagilab.com sneha. I-M-A-G-I-L-A-B dot sneha. For the families and friends of World Trade Center victims, posting flyers around the city is therapeutic but ultimately, for the most part, not useful. The flyers are portraits of humanity, of grief, of love, but their investigative utility is minimal. They can't bring back victims who were, say, trapped above the point of impact, high in the towers, unable to escape. But the flyer of Sneha is different. Because there's no evidence Sneha was actually in the towers, maybe she's just lost or in a hospital or a shelter.
6: I think she's alive. I think she's somewhere and I just can't find her yet.
4: I want you to feel this immediacy. Your wife is missing. Time is running out. So you paste flyers, and when you run out of energy, you paste more, with a sense of purpose. Flyers are just the start, though. Sneha's family also goes on a media blitz, or to be more accurate, they try to get media attention. Initially, they fail. Thousands are missing. There are too many stories to tell and too few reporters to tell them. So on the evening of 9-12, in an act of desperation, Sneha's younger brother, John, approaches a reporter with WABC and says this.
3: I was on the phone with her and she and she told me that she was she couldn't leave because there was there were people who were hurt. I told her, come on, you know, just just leave the building. And and she said, no, I have to help this person over here. And it's the last, the last thing I heard from her.
4: None of it is true. It's all a lie. John made it up. He did not speak to Sneha on 9 11. Weird, right? This guy just calmly, casually, and convincingly lies, saying he spoke to Sneha on 9 11, that she called him when she ran into the burning towers to save people. But when you think about it, is it really that weird? If your wife, or daughter, or sister disappeared, if you felt a sense of urgency, If you felt like no one was paying attention, what would you do? It isn't just John's lie that grabs reporters, though. The flyer works, too. Remember Hugo Kugia, the man in episode one who knew Sneha in Seattle in the 90s, whose ex-girlfriend was Sneha's roommate? Well, by 2001, Hugo was living in New York, working as a reporter for Newsday. And by chance, he sees the flyer.
5: She looked pretty much the same, I guess. She did pretty much the same. And then I saw her name, and Sneha, I mean, that's a pretty unique name, Sneha Philip. And I want to say it took five to ten seconds, and then I put it together. Wait a minute. this I think this has to be her. I mean, it looks like her. I think it looks like it. It looks like what I remember. It looks like the person I remember. And I'm almost positive that was her name. But, right, it didn't add up that she was in New York because this is someone I knew from Seattle. Um, so it, it, that also seemed unlikely. You know, I, I, I'm gonna say that uh, it, I, it was really not until I spoke to her husband that I think I, right? So even, even at that point, I thought I'm pretty sure this is her, but until I spoke to her husband, I didn't know for sure.
4: Hugo's article, prompted by the flyer, runs on September 26, 2001, headline, Lost in a Tax Wake, Family Fears for City Woman Missing Since September 10th. By all signs, Sneha Philip, 31, is one of dozens, hundreds, thousands of people who go missing every day of every year for any number of reasons. She is different because she went missing in lower Manhattan the night before one of the biggest events in American history. While the falling buildings might not have killed her, they essentially erased her. Here's what Ron said. I know we live in a random universe, but is it really that random? Is what happened to her and what happened on September 11th unlucky timing, or is it connected? The police keep trying to lump her in with the missing people from the World Trade Center. I don't know if it's because they don't believe me or if they just don't want to deal with anything else. We're using valuable time. If she's somewhere, we can save her. The family has filed two reports with the FBI. A missing persons report with detectives at the first precinct and with authorities investigating the World Trade Center disaster. They've hired a private investigator, checked hospitals and shelters, posted flyers all over Lower Manhattan, and phoned every person in Sneha Phillips' address book. They've even consulted with a psychic, who told Lieberman his wife is somewhere safe, unharmed, but unable to speak. Initially, Sneha's family does not think she was at the World Trade Center on 9-11. Denial, maybe, but logic, too. Here's what Ron told Rachel Shire, a reporter with the New York Daily News. The only link to the World Trade Center is that we live in Battery Park City. We never go there. She had no business being there. Shire's article runs on September 29th. Headline, She's Lost in a Sea of Missing. Battery Park City Dock vanished the day before attack.
7: When you contacted me and and said that you were interested in a story that I wrote, I I instantly guessed that it was that that one. Um, Because out of all the stories I wrote for the Daily News, um, that that is honestly the one I remember the most.
4: Shire started working for the Daily News in 1999. On 9-11, she was in Brooklyn, unable to make it into Manhattan.
7: I was a New York reporter and, and, like, our, our instinct was to go and try and, and and get close to the place to do our jobs and there was this sense of uh, of like excitement because you know that's what we're sort of trained to to feel when when a big story happens um strangely enough I mean also it was this horrific thing that was sort of beyond anybody's comprehension and I mean now we all look back on it you know it, it, we all know what happened, but you know, in the moment, of course, we we didn't anticipate, like, it was just impossible to imagine that the the World Trade Center was going to collapse.
4: After the attacks, one of her editors assigned her a story on Sneha.
7: The family believed that if if the media, you know, covered the story, that at that point, it, it was still days after she had disappeared. And so I think that they had a belief that the more coverage there was, of of her story, the more chance they had of finding her.
4: Tell me what you remember about reporting it. And what you remember about it?
7: Well, I remember, I remember talking to her husband, uh, Ron. I can't remember now exactly what he. I remember him being very distraught, um, you know, and really. Again, I mean, I think that my story, I think, was one of the earlier ones that was written about her case. It was just days after 9-11 or, or a week or, or two afterward. So, you know, they still had a lot of hope that that maybe they would locate her or at least find out what had happened to her. And um, I remember him being very, you know, very distraught and, and really kind of at his wit's end about what had happened to her. And... He was very focused on the idea that somehow what had happened to her, if I'm remembering this correctly, had, had somehow connected to 9-11. He had this idea that maybe the day before she had been, at, you know, in the wrong place, you know, or, or in proximity to the wrong people. Like, he sort of theorized that maybe there were, you know, there were terrorists who were lurking around the, the day before 9-11, you know, and she had sort of been in the wrong place at the wrong time or something. I mean, I, I don't that was I don't think based on any actual evidence or or <laughs> or reality. But of course, these were early days. Like we knew much less about the whole event of 9-11 than we do now. Um, so, I mean, and also it was just a time, I think it was a very strange moment in New York, especially where, you know, the world had turned upside down, and there was this kind of general sense that we had entered this, this kind of apocalyptic reality where anything was possible.
4: Sneha's story also appears on multiple TV programs, including Extra and 2020, where her mom, Ansu, makes an emotional plea for help.
1: I have that feeling that she is alive, and that We are not getting enough help to go find her. And that's the hardest part.
4: Sneha's family is skeptical of the NYPD. They take matters into their own hands and hire a private investigator. And when he fails to turn up leads, they hire another investigator, a retired FBI agent named Ken Gallant, who declined to speak with me. All the while, they push the NYPD hard They don't want Sneha preemptively written off as, quote, just another 9-11 victim. They need people to understand, they need the cops to understand that something could have happened to Sneha before 9-11. She disappeared on 9-10. She could still be alive.
2: Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's a n a b e icom Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply.
8: Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief.
3: Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bones Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you.
4: The first big clue arrives via credit card records. Sneha used Ron's Amex to make two purchases at Century 21 on the evening of 9-10. 6.05 p.m., bed linens and lingerie. 7.18, three pairs of shoes. Ron calls Century 21, and they allow him to view their security
3: footage. And for about two weeks, I sat and watched this tape for about five hours a day, you know, frame by frame. It's one of those stop-action photos where I actually found my wife on the tape,
4: shopping alone. There she is, in slow motion, browsing through coats. The timestamp says 1657, military time for 457 p.m. That's a problem. There's a discrepancy. Because, according to the NYPD, Sneha left her apartment between 5.15 and 5.30, 20 to 30 minutes after she was caught on tape in Century 21. Impossible. So something's off, either the camera's clock or the NYPD's timeline. Anyway, 7.18 p.m., three pairs of shoes, then nothing. Here is Sneha's cousin Anu in 2002 on Unsolved Mysteries.
5: She leaves the store and then she just disappears. There is not a trace of her, nothing. Not a credit card transaction, no money taken out of her account, no emails, no phone calls. Nothing, how does that happen? It's, it's a complete mystery.
4: As Sneha's family frantically searches for clues, a critical witness comes forward. Her name is Sonia Mora. She's a shoe saleswoman at Century 21. She claims to remember ringing up Sneha on 910. And something else. She says Sneha was with someone, another woman. Except was she? Is that true? This is a critical clue, but the mystery woman does not show up with Sneha on Century 21 security footage. And Sonia, the saleswoman, well, her story either changed multiple times or it's been misreported by the NYPD, Sneha's family, and the media. Because I've seen multiple versions of it and they can't all be true. We reached out to Sonia. But once we identified ourselves as journalists, she stopped responding, and she changed her voicemail greeting to remove her name. For now, then, unfortunately, we have to rely on secondhand accounts of what Sonia claimed to have seen on the evening of 9-10. In one version, Sonia said Sneha was with another woman, an Indian woman, who she described as a friend. The two women allegedly told Sonia that after buying shoes, they might go, quote, to the lingerie area, presumably inside Century 21. In another version, according to Sonia, Sneha might have been with another woman. Maybe. These are, obviously, very different accounts. In one, Sneha is clearly with another woman. She speaks to Sonia directly and says she and the mystery woman might go to the lingerie area. In the other, Sonia isn't even sure if the two women are together. And then there's this. Remember earlier when I gave you the website Sneha's older brother Ashwin created? imagilab.com slash Sneha. Well, via an archived version of that site, I found something that, to my knowledge, has never been reported in any account of Sneha's disappearance. According to the site, quote, Ron spoke to the saleswoman who assisted Sneha at Century 21. She said Sneha was in good spirits and with another Indian, maybe, woman. Around 30, 5'2", 120 pounds, with short black hair and that they were headed to Victoria's Secret and Jones of New York, end quote. This is the very first concrete clue I've ever seen indicating where Sneha may have gone on 9-10, after Century 21. For some reason, though, her family never mentioned it publicly, not in interviews, and later, not in court. It exists only on one archived page of a site created right after 9-11 by Sneha's brother, Ashwin. Is it true? Which account of the last known sighting of Sneha is accurate? Was she alone? Clearly with another woman. Maybe with another woman? Going to the lingerie area? Or, specifically, to Victoria's Secret and Jones, New York? Unfortunately, I don't know. Ashwin, Sneha's older brother, did not respond to interview requests. So what about the version in which Sneha and the mystery woman said that after Century 21, they were going to Victoria's Secret and Jones, New York, a clothing store? If accurate, this is a critical clue, the only clue so far, about where Sneha may have gone on 9/10 after Century 21. So even though I think this is a long shot, I tried to find all Victoria's Secret and Jones, New York locations in Manhattan in 2001, to see if there were any neighborhoods or malls that had both stores, to see where Sneha might have gone. First, I contacted Authentic Brands Group, which owns Jones New York, and L Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret. Authentic Brands didn't respond to us at all. L Brands told me that they looked into it and quote, do not have the information you are requesting, a list of their Manhattan stores in 2001. So we dug into old phone books, A quick shout out here to the New York Public Library, which searched through a 2001 phone book for us and sent us scanned images. We found eight Victoria's Secret locations in Manhattan, but only one Jones New York store. Interestingly enough, one of the Victoria's Secret stores was in the mall underneath the World Trade Center. You hear it mentioned in this emergency dispatch from 9-11.
3: Police. We just I this call a minute ago, and now we all the triage was set up in building building two, but it's
7: now building four. No, I was told
3: triage and treatment is built is two world trade center well, in the lobby. Well, they I got a call from a
4: sergeant on the floor that. I uh, said it was full floor. Four building four by building Secret. Four? Yeah. Just it makes sense that on 910, sneha may have gone to this Victoria's Secret in the mall under the trade center. It would have been on the way back to her apartment but she would have had only 40 minutes to get there and shop. She left Century 21 around 7.18 p.m. and the Victoria's Secret at the Trade Center closed at 8 p.m. Also, there was no Jones New York store in the Trade Center Mall. In fact, the only Jones New York store in Manhattan in 2001 that we could find was located at 119 West 40th Street in Midtown. The nearest Victoria's Secret to that was at 498 7th Avenue, a five-minute walk So if the account in which Sneha and the mystery woman said they were going to Victoria's Secret and Jones, New York is true, and that's a big if, then maybe they went to Midtown. Anyway, what about the mystery woman? Did Sneha stay with her the night of 9-10? Did she even exist? Here's Sneha's cousin, Anu, on Unsolved Mysteries.
5: We have no idea who this person is. And that she never existed in Sna's past. We've gone through her phone books. We've gone through her email. There is no, like, phone call even made to this person during that day. She doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, I, it could be very possible that Sneha ran into her. It could be an old-time friend.
4: But if the woman was an old-time friend, why would she stay in the shadows? She never came forward. Not to Sneha's family, not to the cops, not to the press.
6: Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu.
4: As Sneha's family forced forward with an independent investigation, the NYPD was on the case too. The lead investigator's name was Detective Richard Stark. I tried really hard to find Stark. Unfortunately, his name is more common than you'd think. Good evening. Hey Richard, this is John Wolczak, how are you? All right, sir, how are you? Good, so I I don't know if I have the right person. I'm looking for a detective Richard Stark or Starks who investigated uh, the Sneha-Philip case in the fall of 2001, would that be you?
7: No, no, that 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 is not me.
4: <laughs> this was Richard A. Starks, who also worked for the NYPD. Coincidentally, on 9-11, Richard A. Starks saw United Flight 175 hit the South Tower. And later, he worked at Ground Zero, looking for bodies. But, wrong guy. Then there's Richard Stark. An 80-year-old 9-11 survivor who escaped from the Marriott World Trade Center, the hotel between the Twin Towers. Nope. Plus a Richard Stark in Arizona who runs the NYPD, the New York Pizza Department. But as hard as I tried, I could not find the Richard Stark, the one who investigated this case. He's never spoken publicly about it. He's never given an interview. Until now. Uh, My name is Richard Stark. Um, uh, I live in Manhattan. Uh, I was a police officer from uh, uh, 1985 to 2005. Next time on Missing on 9-11. Were you able visually to make an identification of that woman as her? How much, how how certain were you? How much doubt did you have? I was 90% sure. No, not not a facial, no, no. Not a positive ID. This week, a little vignette. It doesn't fit neatly into the narrative, but I want to include it anyway. Shortly after 9-11, Patrick Tracy, an Irish doctor and world-renowned aesthetic medicine specialist visited New York. While wandering the streets, he saw one of the ubiquitous missing Sneha flyers. He took it with him back to Ireland, a 9-11 memento, a piece of history. Later, he framed it alongside an article he wrote for the Irish Medical Times, and hung it in a library in his Dublin clinic. Well, around June 2006, guess who visited the clinic and saw the poster? Michael Jackson. Tracy writes in his book, Behind the Mask, about Jackson, quote, his attention was drawn to a picture high on the upper part of my wall, which he studied intensely. It was an image of a young doctor, Sneha Ann Phillip, who had gone missing during the World Trade Center terrorist attack. I watched as Michael stood up, took the picture from the wall, and studied it. His facial expression totally changed, and his eyes grew sad as he focused on the picture of the missing intern set against the twisted wreckage of the buildings. That the singer was a deeply empathetic person was now beyond doubt in my mind. That's so very sad, he said in a mournful voice. Recently, I spoke to Dr. Tracy via Skype. Jackson was already upset at Tracy's clinic. He had just shown him his vitiligo and burn scars. Then he saw the flyer of Sneha. So do you think that this poster, when he saw it in addition to discussing vitiligo, you think that's kind of what triggered that moment for him? I think he wanted to cry probably anywhere, and he had left the room and this gave a sort of a focus, but he didn't do anything more than weep his eyes and and talk, you know, sort of in an emotional sense. So there you have it. Sneha's family and friends were so successful in spreading the missing flyer that years later, even Michael Jackson saw it in Ireland. Homework this week. One, did you or do you work for Authentic Brands Group, which owns Jones New York, or L Brands, which owns Victoria's Secret? Do you have a list of their 2001 Manhattan store locations? Do you know if either company saved security footage from 9-10 or 9-11? Did you work for Victoria's Secret or Jones, New York in Manhattan in 2001? Two, I don't know the name of the first private investigator that Sneha's family hired. Do you? Three, do you have a copy of the report prepared by the second private investigator, Ken Gallant? If so, contact us. If you want, we'll protect your identity. You can reach us by phone at one eight three three new tips That's one 639 8477 Again, one 639 8477 Or you can reach us via email at tips at iheartmedia.com. That's tips, T-I-P-S, at iheartmedia.com. Ben Bolin is our executive producer. Paul Deccant is our supervising producer. Chris Brown is our assistant producer. Seth Nicholas Johnson is our producer. Sam Garden is our research assistant. And I'm your host and executive producer, John Walzak. Cover art by Pam Peacock. Newsday article voiced by Paul Deccant. Ron Lieberman voiced by Seth Nicholas Johnson. Special thanks to Tamika Campbell at iHeart and to Christoph Zapri in New Orleans. Also, thank you to Hugo Kugia, Rachel Shire, Sammy Feliciano, Richard A. Starks, Dr. Patrick Tracy, Detective Richard Stark, the New York Public Library, and Aesop Rock. Original theme music by Aesop Rock. Check out Aesop's website at aesoprock.com. Archival audio from Unsolved Mysteries provided by Cosgrove Mirror Productions. Audio from 2020 provided by ABC News. You can find me on Twitter at at John Walzak, J-O-N-W-A-L, If you like this show, check out our first season, Missing in Alaska, about the 1972 disappearance of two congressmen. Missing on 9-11 is a co-production of iHeartMedia and Greenfort
8: Media.
2: and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
3: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here.